talk to you. How many have been to Dinosaur National Monument Fossil Bone Quarry? You been there? Ooh, I love it when I go to some place. You've been there? Fossil Bone Quarry. Now you want to note that because it's a good place to go. In that, there's a city called Dinosaur out there. And guess what? There's a Baptist church there called Dinosaur Baptist Church. <laughs> We rode our motorcycles in there, you and I and some other, maybe some other, but we rode our motorcycles in there asking for something. I can't remember what we were asking for. A cup of cold water for the parched lips or something. And it was we stopped in Dinosaur Baptist Church. Now, that's old-fashioned, brother, dinosaur. You know, a lot of the new churches call us dinosaurs. I said, you're not dinosaurs. Yeah. When you live in dinosaur, that ain't bad. So anyways, that, this is a nice, but I've noticed I pointed my hat. That's Max Georgie. We've got a thing. Wherever I go, I wear Max Georgie hat. If I catch fish, I get my picture taken in a Max Georgie hat. That's for Max. That's for his sake. Oh, he gives, but he's the only one giving free hats off. Troy gets his done oftentimes in a Max Georgie hat. That's because he gives them out. They're free. We appreciate it. By the way, he's going to move back. He's going to move back. He just don't know it yet. He's never spent a winter in South Carolina, but I have, and he'll be back. He told me before he left, I'm never going to spend another nasty winter, and I go, what are you doing moving to South Carolina? It gets snow 10 degrees above zero. It gets nasty. But anyway, that's why we're going to see him again. Also, I got some information for the Brubaker. You know Brubaker, the song leader with the doo 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 and when he comes, let's let him lead. Let's let him get right in there and do it. I'm going to have him here for five weeks, Lord willing. He's going to be here for five weeks this winter. I'm trying to talk him into coming down, staying a little longer. I like the brother. It gives you guys a break, and then he's in. But he, he's up there in age. He's in his 80s for sure. But we got a lot of good things coming. Looking forward to it. Dinosaur National Monument. A few weeks ago, I taught on what it was to be a mature Christian. You <laughs> Anybody have any recollection of what that is? Well, this is a review here pretty soon. But this is our text tonight. So this is what is a mature Christian, part two. It's probably a part three, part four, I bet. And in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 23, 25, Paul and Silas, when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who... Having received such a charge, thrust them into that inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. There's a lot of things about this little thing that you may not know. Number one, stocks. When's the last time you were in a set of stocks? Nobody probably has ever been in a set of stocks. But a lot of times stocks, they were, you can have stocks. Those are wood with a little hole in them. You put them in, you can't get out. Sometimes they do people standing up in stocks with their two arms and the neck and head bent over like this in stocks. These were even worse. These, you put their feet in them, and they and just keep you off the ground. Your, your back would just barely touch. Back and back of your neck would touch the ground. It would be, it's a torturesome, horrific position to be in. But what made it worse 
was they got beaten before that. And their backs were lacerated and bleeding because they had many stripes. The Bible talks about many stripes. Legally, a Roman could not be beaten more than 40 stripes. That was the law. And if 39, that's why they always got 39 or 40 save one, 39 stripes. Because if, if the person beating them went over 40, missed, lost track, then he got beat. And so they were real careful not to go over 40 stripes. But 40? 40? 39? Get real, brother. I got on uh, YouTube, and I looked up being hit with a rod, being rod, you know, whipped with a rod. Because Paul talks about how he was whipped with a rod a few times. I think it's Singapore where they still do that. And it showed it, you know, that a guy had done something, I don't know what it was, they took him in, stripped him hiney of any clothing, laid him over something, tied him up, and began to rod him. Now, the first time it hit him, the skin just went, you know, just welded right up first. I mean, just, it was hard. I could only watch to about eight, and I think he was supposed to get like 39 or so. I could not watch past eight. It was just hamburger. And uh, imagine he probably never was normal after that. So when you read this in the Bible, don't you just put, oh, he got whipped a couple times. He's like, you know, you're going to like, no, no. This was like life-threatening. Imagine the infection problems in an inner prison. Now, now, these aren't the prisons like we have today with big screen TV and disinfectant and everything else. These were like dirt floors. These were like people had been in there and had refuse. They had uh, they had uh, all kinds of nat rats were typical of it. Thing anything I've been able to read about it, and they were a lot of people. They wouldn't live through going into prison. They wouldn't live through it. It was, and also imagine the infection potential. If you were around a doctor today, they'd say, "Oh, they could get MRSA." Oh yeah, they could definitely get MRSA. But they, uh, especially since they laid them on their back, didn't didn't treat their wounds, didn't really didn't care if they died. Now, who are we talking about? Paul, the apostle, and Silas. Okay, two heroes of the faith, really, two beloved people of God. The lesson I'm going to teach tonight probably cannot be even digested by some of you. But your mature folks here tonight should be able to digest this. Uh, some of you may bounce off of, which is normal. So a mature Christian, let's go back and, and uh, this, we're going mature Christian part one. A mature Christian can accept res and receive rebuke. That was the last time I taught him. What is a mature Christian? He can receive rebuke. He can take, re he can take rebuke. Oh, how touchy people are. You say one little cross thing to them, and they write you off, put them, put you on their blacklist, never say anything to you, don't get around you, you never get invited out to eat after that, you're never going to go with them anywhere, you're, you're done, done. You said one thing, you know, you said their baby was ugly. I'm never going to do anything with him, boy, I said my baby's ugly. Well, when three people say it, what you going to believe? But anyway, uh. Another thing, a mature Christian understands that rebuke helps him or her. You have really matured when somebody can rebuke you and you 
understand that there could be a God that is over everything that could be causing these people to possibly do this to you so you would see something that you're blind to. Are you, you got that? You know we're blind to our faults. The Bible says twice, Proverbs chapter 14, 16, every man is right in his own eyes. Well, that means that when I look in the mirror, I do not see what you're looking at right now. That's right. When I look in the mirror, I see a handsome, debonair, strong, muscular individual. You do not know that person, but I do. No gray hair or very little. And no, he does not bleach his hair. A mature Christian does not get angry when rebuked, but it takes it as from God. See, if you really believe there's a God, and he's overall, and this is not Calvinism. It's not Calvinism at all, not the way they teach it for sure. This is Bible. God ultimately has more to do with you than you realize. Man, oh man, oh man. The older I get, the more I realize that God has been with me through it all. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. You know, the old gate. So, mature Christian grows better through rebuke rather than grows bitter through rebuke. If you're rebuked, and you, my wife sometimes rebukes, now, you know, a woman's got to be careful because there's a certain uh, line of authority that she needs to be careful of. You're supposed to re- you're not supposed to rebuke an elder. You're supposed to treat him as a father. That's what that's the Bible. You're not supposed to go up and whack your husband. You're not going to get very far with that. But if you come to him and tell him the truth, you know, really, to be honest with you, I love you. You know that. And, you know, put all the put all the ice cream on that thing you can. But when it all gets done to it, it's a rebuke. You know, give it give it to him. Give it to him. If you love him, tell him. Sometimes I tell my wife stuff. Don't wear this particular clothing. It doesn't do you any good. It insults you. And then she won't, still won't get it because she likes it. When she looks in the mirror, she likes it. And I say, I don't know what you're looking at in the mirror, but you're not looking at what I'm looking at. And I can tell you for the rest of the people out there, that thing does not compliment you. Do not wear it. And then I go into detail if she fights me more on it. And if she fights me more on it, she goes and looks for it one day, and it ain't there. It's gone. It's gone. What's it gone? It's gone. But she's mature. She doesn't try to get even. What makes a mature Christian part two? Oh, you just remember our text. Paul and Silas demonstrated another characteristic of a mature Christian. If you can receive rebuke, thank God for it. Somebody's trying to help you. Even if they're not trying to help you, God's using it to help you. Oh, man, that's good. Paul and Silas demonstrate another characteristic of a mature Christian. Whoa, big, really big here. They're doing the will of God right. Are you, do you agree that Paul and Silas in the chapter, and you probably most of you know the context of what I'm talking about. That's why I haven't spent a bunch of time on it. The context of what I'm talking about, they're preaching, doing the will of God. In, absolutely, positively in the center of the will of God. Okay, no doubt about it. No wiggle room. They get arrested. They get thrown in prison. They get beaten. And they get thrown in prison. Okay? That's, 
unjustly, this is a key word, beaten. They're arrested, they get tried, they get beaten with many stripes, they get jailed in high security, their backs are bleeding sore, subject to life-threatening infection. Is this the way God rewards his servants? Now, immature people, this is where they stumble. When God has something bad happen to you, and you don't deserve it, in anybody's book, you may want to stumble here. You'll, you'll tend to want to stumble. And I'm hoping I'm going to help you a little bit here. So how does a mature Christian react to adversity? Unjust adversity. See, if you get punished for something you think you deserve, and, you know, I mean, who doesn't, you know, who doesn't go with that? I mean, you know, I was speeding, I got a ticket. Well, hey, you know, I was speeding. You know, I, you know, I did something wrong. The law, the law came and punished me or somebody. But no, but we're talking about unjust punishment. Um, what does he find? Paul and Silas are praying and singing praises unto God. Now, you can't fake that. You can't fake that. Because the person that's bitter don't sing praises unto God. They cry. They're, well, I'll tell you what they do in a minute here. So what do you do if you're, what do you do, what do you, what would you do if you were in this situation? Common immature reactions would be this. They cry, they whine, they complain, God's not good. If there was a real God, he wouldn't do this. If he cared about me, he'd never do this. Uh, Nicole Shell just lost her baby. She's going through this right now. Right now. How's she going to react? Anybody that has anything bad happen to them. Um, everybody cries. I'm not talking saying crying is bad, okay? But they don't keep that up. Accusing God if he's not loving them, that happens. Doubting God's goodness, I hear that all the time. Depression and total despondency. They fall in the hole and they go to the doctor and get antidepressants. I'll just be truthful with you. I'm against antidepressants. Let's put that on the web. I am against antidepressants. Doctors have gotten away from medicine and into the psychology of the mind. And they're giving you, see, when I took LSD when I was in my teens, my, I, I can only say that now because my mom and dad are dead. Otherwise, they're alive, I wouldn't tell you that because I didn't want them to know that. They never found it out. I always hid it. But I used to bring acid home, put it in the refrigerator, keep it cold. Take it at church. There was no limit. Mind-bending, you see stuff, crazy stuff. That is really, in some degree, what happens with these things. They're giving you stuff, serotonin, for your brain. And they're not quite sure how to, these girls who drowned their five children are on Prozac. Oh, how many of them got to do that before we figure maybe Prozac could possibly be accountable for that? I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. That's free. But total depression and despondency. Now, if something bad happens to you like Paul and Silas, you may go down for a few minutes, an hour, two hours or so. But ultimately, if you're mature as a Christian, you know who did it, why it happened. It happened under the sovereignty of God. He thinks it's what's best for you. 
and you're going to go around and give thanks, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. You're actually going to thank God for it. These boys did. These boys did. I got my back lacerated. It looks like a hamburger. I'm bleeding. I'm hanging upside down in the stocks. It looks hopeless. By the way, that looks pretty hopeless, too. They didn't have much future going for them. But they were mature. And the last is, and there's a lot of people out there angry at God tonight. They are bitter at God. They are mad. I've had, I had a wait. I had a nurse one time. I went to an office. I can't tell you who, what, where, why. But I went to an office, a nurse. And I got to talk to her about Jesus, and I, I liked the old girl. She was a rough-around-the-edges old girl. I get along with people like that. And she looked at me in the face, and she said, I am never going to church because she said, I am mad at God because he killed my mother, and we were best friends, and I am never going to church preacher. And she didn't. I tried to get around it, tried to talk to her about it. She wasn't going to let it go. And if she don't overcome that, you're not going to get saved for sure. But Christians are never going to prosper if they're mad at God. If he's full of iniquity, why serve him? So this is what mature goes. So why was Paul and Silas different? Well, true Christians trust in God's goodness. Somehow or another, they had a grip on the fact that God was good. And even though they were beaten and hung upside down without much good future looking ahead of them, they somehow had a belief system strong enough to recognize that God is not good. And there's a reason why they were able to do that, and I'll tell you what it is in a minute. Circumstances, he's, he's good over their circumstances. He's good over the temporal setbacks. Mature Christians are in it for the long haul, not the short haul. Why? Because this is the key of the whole thing tonight. They understand and look forward to what the average person that's not saved cannot see, which is the invisible. The invisible. Moses forsook Egypt and all the beauty and all the power and, and all the fame, which nobody almost would ever walk away from. Because the Bible says he saw him as, see, as seeing him who was invisible. He saw God. He said there's something bigger, better. And he counted the, the, counted the reward of Egypt nothing compared to the reward that God had for him. Oh, he had a grip on that, didn't he? You say, God, you say, Brother Bill, I don't have that grip tonight. Ask God for it. Go to God and say, I need this. I need this. This is something I need God you to do for me. If like Moses, seeing him was invisible. Okay, so there you go. Hebrews 11, 27. So I'm going to give you some verses about the invisible. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. This is really by the whole world, being understood by the things that are made. That's why anybody tells you the earth wasn't created, they're denying God who made it all. Being understood by the things that are made, even then his eternal power and Godhead, that's... Interesting word, that word Godhead, I think it occurs three times in the New Testament, is a very indicative of the triunity of God, or what we call the trinity of God. So that they are without excuse. No excuse. Basically, what our brother's doing, have you considered 
that book, have you considered 365 reasons why proofs that God created, and there's way more than that, that God created everything, and it could not have happened by accident. It's not logical. It's totally illogical that things would happen by evolution. They could not happen slow like that. And there's a 365 reasons just tip of the iceberg. First of all, fossils. Fossils had to be buried quickly. They found up in the uh, up in the Badlands off of Calgary a dinosaur with his skin. They always wondered what the skin of a dinosaur looked like. It still had good DNA. Hello? That don't happen over millions. It don't happen over a million years. And they say dinosaurs are millions of years from us. They found that dinosaur with the skin, and it was DNA. It was good DNA. By the way, they... So it looked similar to an elephant skin. And so uh, they're without excuse, whatever. Colossians says this way, for by him were created all things, but for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and, look at that, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. That's the next verse, which I do not have up here. So 2 Corinthians 4, 17, but what a verse. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Now, who wrote that? The same Paul that we're reading about got put upside down, whipped real good, put his feet in the stocks. And he didn't get just whipped that one time that way. I believe he got, he possibly got scourged five times and rotted three times, 40 say one. I can't even imagine. He, he, he had scar tissue on scar tissue on scar tissue on scar tissue on his back. He says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ, or the word scars of the Lord Jesus Christ, brand marks. In essence, Paul says, I've been branded by God. Wow. Whoa. Our light affliction. Light, are you, I just want to say light, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. Worketh what? For us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The interesting word I looked up, that weight of glory, means a weight too heavy to bear. There's two words in the Greek for weight. One is a weight that should be expected to bear, and one is a weight that's too heavy to bear. Could have used the one the word that said weight expected to bear. But no, it uses the word a weight too heavy to bear. You try to lift it up, it's too heavy. You go under. Put you under it. What is that? That's the weight of glory that's coming. When you get to heaven, it's going to be too heavy for you in a good way. It's going to be too big, too heavy. You won't believe it. It's going to be past your belief system. The next verse, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. This is a mature Christian talking to really mature Christians that your focus and our focus needs to be on the things which are invisible, not the things which are visible. For the things which are seen, and this is the key, is are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Temporal and eternal. That's a subject in there. You own a home, most of you own homes tonight, but you don't. You don't own that home. Pretty soon there'll be somebody else living in it. I think about that a lot, lately especially. 
I'm working out of my house, putting plants in the ground, planting stuff. I just planted a couple palm trees. I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to live long enough to see them produce a palm because I'm cheap. If I wanted to plant a tree that I'd see that, I'd have to pay like 600 bucks to have it planted. And I bought, I played 75 bucks. And for 75 bucks, I'm not going to live long enough. Probably see that thing have fruit. Maybe Troy will. Maybe not. But you know what I'm saying? Planting trees other people sit under. That's the whole idea. I'm out there just planting stuff and everything. My wife's going, you know, we're not doing this for us. I said, I know. I'm just doing this because it's fun to do. And I like plants. I like to. And, 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 uh, but I'm going to leave this to somebody who may not like plants. And they may cut them all down. But I won't care by that time because I'm going to be gone. I'm not living. I don't want to live with my main, with all my, with all of my, uh, what am I going to say, all of my uh, marbles in this world. Why you couldn't hurt Paul? His marbles weren't in this world. His value system was in the other world. That's what I mean by marbles. You know. His value system was in the other world. So, we're about done. Slide number nine. Your mature faith is made visible by trouble. I ask you a question. Do you have faith tonight? Oh, God's going to see if you do, and you're going to see if you do. Hebrews. Now, faith is such the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When bad trouble comes and you exercise faith, you're going to be able to see it. Trouble brings out what kind of faith you have. It becomes an evidence for it. For it, by it, the elders obtained a, obtained a good report. And then Peter, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though ye now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the singing or the sangin' in jail. They sang in jail. That's because they saw something the jailer didn't see. They saw something none of their other people in jail saw. They saw something that was invisible to everybody else. Oh, man, I want that. I want it. I want it. Receiving the end of their faith, even the salvation of your souls. And then I end it with this. Maturity involves faith in the, of the, in the unseen. So you say you have faith. Let me see your works. That's James, book of James. Real faith reacts to trouble differently than fake faith. And I got that from Trump. Fake faith. I never really referred to faith like that before until he started talking about fake news. And I thought there is such a thing as fake news and there's fake faith. Yeah, there is. Fake faith. People say, I got faith. They have trouble happen, they crumble as if there's no God. They didn't have faith. Not the kind of Bible faith. And so they had verbal faith only. And so James is where I get my idea here. Yea, a man may say that thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Again, that's the singing in jail. How do we know Paul and Silas had faith? Because they were singing and praising God in horrible circumstances. And did it work out? It worked out, man. It worked out. People got influenced. The whole jail got influenced for God. 
And so God may cause something to come by you so that your relatives may get saved. They really see Jesus. You say you believe in Jesus, but they don't believe you do believe. But a trouble, how you react in trouble will help them see something that you don't even see. You believe you have, but God will put it out in the open. And so how do you react to adversity, especially if it's unjust adversity? Paul and Silas were simply obeying God. They were not harming anyone. They received permanent damage from their bodies. Shame to their reputations. Very painful traumatic experience. And rejoiced and prayed and sang. What is that? That's maturity. That's maturity. And what that is, is a mature woman standing in front of the Grand Teton, or the Great Tetons, the Grand Tetons. If you've never been out south of Yellowstone National Park, on the west side of the road as you go down south, you go through Yellowstone and you go due south to a place called Jackson Hole. You look on your right, and before you get there, you see the Grand Tetons, and brother, they're grand. There's about a 10-mile, 15-mile road that goes, lets you go right, right in front of them. It's a park. It's just a drive-through, what they call drive-through national park. And it co- don't cost you anything. Well, if you're my age, it's all free anyway. <laughs> I love being old. I get to go free to all the national parks. There's over 50 of them. I also get to fish free. Amen? But I do not get a free coffee at McDonald's anymore. Them cheap dogs. That's my little woman, which did not want me to display that picture because, oh, I don't look good in that picture. I said, that's the way I see you. That's the way I see you. I see you at your worst, and I still love you. It's like you women loving your babies. Father, thank you for a few minutes together tonight. Help us to be mature. I, woo, who knows what lays and what lies in the future. We want you. We want to pass the test. We want to stand, having done all the stand, withstand, having on the full armor of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.